wicked, wicked fly. This is your summer. That means Six Flags in the taste of an ice-cold Coca-Cola. We're talking thrilling coasters, delicious burgers, yes. real moments together, and this. Coke is summer refreshment when you need it most, so you can hop on another ride or race down a slide at the water park. Six Flags and Coca-Cola. Come make it yours. Visit SixFlags.com slash Coke to save up to $20 on passes, plus daily tickets starting at $34.99. G'day everyone, Lauren Kress, the business scientist here. Happy Monday. I hope you've been doing well. So today we're talking about dealing with feelings of self-doubt. And this kind of arose because we were talking about building a pipeline and getting that kind of like yes, no answer from clients. And as a result, sometimes when people say no, or sometimes when we're not really making the offer, we need to look at what's going on there. So sort of two scenarios I want to talk about with self-doubt. The first one is not making the offer in the first place. So, and what could be going on there? And now I'm comfortable in talking about this from the perspective of this is what I've been through, right? Like I'm not like a healthcare professional. I'm not talking about self-doubt in terms of like giving you mental health advice. I'm talking about this from the perspective of like, this is what it's like being an entrepreneur and this is what I found and this is what I found helpful, right? So firstly, I've had this situation. I'll describe it to you, see if, you know, you can kind of see if you can relate to this. So I'll be in a call and I'm like, I think this person would be quite a good fit for what I do. But I feel myself sort of pulling back from making the offer a little bit. I feel myself pulling back from making the sale. I'm kind of going like, oh, is this actually going to be really valuable? How valuable is it and how much is that worth to this person? Now, there could be a few different reasons for this happening. So sometimes I'm just like, this person doesn't have a lot of money. Like that's the assumption that I've made. Is that true? Is that not true? Not necessarily. I've noticed, especially in 2020, I've done this more as I'm like, oh, but like it might just not be the right time for them to buy. But the thing that we need to remember is like that other person we're talking to is an adult. We don't need to parent this person through this process. And I think when we are dealing a lot with clients, we can do that a little bit. We can turn into sort of having that parent role and thinking like, oh, I need to take responsibility for this person. It's very easy for us to jump into that sort of situation. If you haven't seen my video on the drama triangle yet, I highly recommend checking that out as well if this is something that's sort of resonating with you because the drama triangle is about sort of how we can rescue people. So we can see people as a bit of a victim and we kind of end up rescuing them and thinking, oh, if you just do what I tell you to do, like you'll be fine. Like I can help you, you poor thing. Like all you need to do is this. And then after we end up sort of becoming this persecutor or this victimizer because we get frustrated with our clients because we're like, you're not doing what I told you to do, right? So it's very easy to end up in that sort of dynamic. The other thing you might want to have a look at is transactional analysis. I will be doing a video about this, but essentially it's like about how we can, how there's like the parent and the child and the adult. And what we want to make sure we're doing when we're speaking with potential clients is we're treating them like adults. So if you're filling yourself pull back from making the offer and it's like, oh, I've got this sort of doubt of whether or not this is going to be valuable. We need to push through that and actually go, no, this person's an adult and they can make a decision and they can say no. That's the first thing. The other thing that I find can happen is I'm also kind of going, is what I do actually valuable? And I question that sometimes, especially if I've had a few people already say no, because I don't really like rejection. So it's like, oh, is this actually really valuable? I don't want someone to say no to me. So uh, I don't know. Right. 
So what we want to do in that case is it's actually really important we break that pattern because what we're doing essentially whenever we're asking these questions is we're getting data. Now, if you've had people say yes to you before and you haven't actually had that much time in your business, then that's a really good sign right? But where did those sales come from? So is it like from people that you know? Is it from family members? Is that why you're kind of doubting things a little bit? That's that's what happened for me as well. It's like my first sales were like with people that I knew. So is is what I'm doing really valuable? And it's important that we actually go back to that and, and finesse things and make sure we are delivering value. But the time to question that and the time to optimize our product isn't in a sales call. In a sales call, we need to be thinking about How can I help this person? And if we believe that what we're doing will help them, we need to make that offer. If we don't believe that what we're doing will help them, we need to look at that. Why didn't I think that? If that's going on, what I'd really encourage you to do is ask yourself some questions. So as part of this post, what I've done is put some questions together to get you started on like what you can ask yourself to start going actually like, Why am I thinking this? Why is this coming up for me in a sales call? Why am I resisting making this offer? Why am I doubting my value? The final thing I want to talk about in relation to self-doubt is what I started off saying, which is that we can also get this self-doubt where when people say no, and that can have this sort of repercussion on what we do in the future. So you need to remember that some people are going to say no, and they're going to say no for different reasons. Again, this is a time to get curious. If you notice everything that I put out there, I'm pretty much saying the same word over and over again. Curiosity, curiosity, curiosity. Get curious about why is it that your customers are saying no. Use it as a market research opportunity. This is why bringing your sales back into your marketing, bringing sales back into your product development is so, so important. And what I've said to clients who've got like, you know, a bigger company where they've got separate sales teams and marketing teams and all kinds of stuff is often we go to the salespeople and it's like, what's happening in market? What are people resisting? What are people liking? What's going on here? What products are working? What products aren't working? And feed that back into what we're doing over in the marketing team, over in the product development team to go, okay, how do we make sure that we're optimizing things and innovating. And that's what goes on in a business all the time, right? So it's it's not that you shouldn't be paying attention to that, but you shouldn't be seeing that as in like, this is something I need to take personally now. It's more an opportunity to go, all right, what do I need to do to get better? And the best people to tell you that is the person on the other end of the phone or on the other end of that video call. So use that opportunity. Can I just ask you before you go, I'm, you know, I'm always trying to improve things. Did you feel like the reason you didn't want to go through with this was because uh, of the price? Did you feel like the reason you didn't want to go through with this is because it just isn't the right fit for you? What would work for you? When we ask that question, we also increase the chance of actually closing the sale anyway, because they might say something that you actually do, but in the communication wasn't clear. So it could be that your sales call isn't clear. Like they might say something like, oh, look, it's just too much. I don't have the cash flow to pay for this. Like if I could do this on like a month by month payment, that would be fine. Or, you know, I was expecting to pay a lot less. We might go, well, actually, you know what? Okay, what what would you be willing to spend? What I can do for that price is this, right? So we don't offer them everything, but we might go, we don't want to discount, but we might go, 
oh, okay, like you only want this piece and you only want to pay this much. I can do that if we just do that stuff and isolate it. That can be a really good way to get that first sale with a client because when you're doing new business, as in taking on a client for a first time, they might not want the same things that people who are familiar with your work or have worked you for a long time are going to want. Again, with the self-doubt piece, the other video that you might want to check out is the video I did or the podcast episode I did on the imposter syndrome. It's called, are you being or are you wanna being? And it's about sort of dealing with some of those feelings of being an imposter, which is really relevant to the discussion we're having today as well. Next week, we're gonna be shifting gears a little bit. We're gonna look at setting yourself up for success with your customer relationship. So how do you onboard clients or onboard customers so you have a really positive experience with them and that you can potentially cross sell and upsell and get referrals and all that kind of stuff. We'll be talking a little bit about buyer's remorse and how to deal with that as well. So tune in then. But in the meantime, there'll be plenty of content coming your way before next Monday. Until next time, remember that sharing your talents with the world will make it a better place.